Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello, and welcome to the Examination Podcast, the only podcast to recover all the goings on in Krakoa with style. My name is Quinn Embler, and I'm joined this week by Kelsey Struts. Hello. And Dane Renier. Welcome back, baby. Yeah, man. We got a fantastic episode because it's a Hellions week, so you know we're going to be hyped. And uh, I just got to say, the election is under swing and not the one that makes all my friends get in huge fights. Though the X-Men one that everybody's happy about. I'll fight you right now about it. Are we happy about it? Are we happy with these results? No, no, not at all. But it also doesn't matter, so I don't care. I actually wrote, I did a write-in. I put Cyclops on mine, and I feel fairly oh, safe. Oh, you did a write-in. You mailed in your ballot. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Don't know if it counted. but oh, Probably we'll not. Well, um, we're going to jump right into Cerebro, hook up uh, to it, check out what's new in the world of Marvel, and there's a few substantial things. So we've been talking about this X-Men vote, and they've put out some numbers, and Originally, a uh, pretty strong Polaris and Banshee uh, lead at the beginning. And with the latest update, it looks like Banshee has gone up. Boom Boom has gone up. And then Polaris and Strong Guy have had a drop. Which, like, how could Strong Guy drop is the question I have. How did he get votes? I know. Like, how- <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Maybe there was a polling error and originally he had them. And then they fixed the polling error. And yeah, maybe not. he somehow lost a vote. Like I've the, got a polling vote. error for it. He was in the polls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, how would you guys feel about uh, Banshee taking up that roster spot over your gal armor? Um, I wouldn't hate it in the fact that Banshee's entertaining to me. But my main thing with having armor was... Banshee's been in X-Men, you know, he's, he's been a, a staple in the team before, I, you know, it'd be nice to get more young blood in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody like Shiro or Sunfire or Colossus, maybe. <laughs> I they, have they, have they listed who, who else is in the team already? Not a soul. Okay. So for all, you know, Shiro and Colossus could be on the team. That's true. That's true. That's I did see true. a theory that somebody had that this just is the X-Men team. Then that these votes mean nothing. That all of the candidates are just are the X-Men team. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a terrible tease. That would be a really safe bet though. Like that, that would be like, everybody, everybody walks away happy. Even strong guy fans. No, no one walks away happy because they go, why (laughs) did I waste my time voting? You're just picking everyone. Would you guys be mad? I'm trying to decide. I, I would. I'd, I'd read the book. But I mean, that's because we have a podcast that reads all the books. So, yeah, I no. <laughs> yeah, but what if what if the Hellions creative team took the book over? Then I hope the Hellions show up and kill that entire team and just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a panel where they talk about putting them to the back of the resurrection order and you start right. to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's not the only thing uh, getting resurrected. There's some conversation about the Black Panther property without Black Panther. Uh, two two things. One, I saw two separate stories. One, Resurrection, uh, I've heard rumors that Killmonger potentially coming back. 
for a Wakanda TV show. What do you guys think? It was a Wakanda TV show, something that could work really well. What would you hope to see? And uh, fake news or real news? What do you think? Um, one, I don't find a Wakanda TV show to be as compelling if it's dealing with actual problems in Wakanda, since they are such an advanced civilization with like a lot of their issues, you know, controlled. Yeah. You know, they have a handle on all their problems. So you don't think it could be like African game of Thrones with all those different tribes. I I guess they could do some of that, but they, they have the, the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It it, it doesn't excite me as much, but look, I'll say this more. I don't think Marvel has like tremendously screwed up yet. Exactly. I I do see the potential for a show, you know, like the, you should watch Thor: the dark world. (laughs) You know what? No, compared to other movies, though, other super, I would take it over uh, justice league. Setting the bar, the bar really high there. Hey, I'm Um, just saying, comparing it to all their other. No, I agree. I agree. Here's the thing. Marvel hasn't screwed up really yet. I think there's room in like the political machinations. It depends on what they do with the black Panther with, you know, the recent passing of, of Chadwick Boseman. And as much as we talk about, like, how that country sort of solved, that there's not a problem or what to explore there, I think there is in the sense that Wakanda just sort of, in the Marvel Universe, opened itself up to the world. Oh, that's true. And we haven't really seen the effects of that. And I think that could be kind of a cool thing to explore. Um, and, you know, I, I have my concerns about it, but... Marvel's just delivered banger after banger in the movies, and with WandaVision thus far, I have no reason to think they can't keep doing it with TV. Right. You 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 have a point. And I'm not saying like I wouldn't watch it and be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is good. The uh bringing Killmonger back, if it's Michael B. Jordan, that's cool, and I'll overlook the him being dead thing, because it's Marvel. They can bring people back from the dead. Why not? Uh so. magic condon vibranium healing bead. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I, that's that was, canon. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. But, resurrection I, I like Michael B. Jordan. Honestly, I thought, you know, my big complaint from the Black Panther movie was he was underutilized. Like, it, it just, you know, they used him too quickly. Yeah, yeah. They just burnt through it like they did with, I mean, I think they always do with Venom. Right. And any Spider Man thing. It's just like there's no the build up and it's just bam. Here <laughs> he is. Movie, and... Boom, he's gone. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I honestly think uh, the Wakanda show could be really neat. And there's a lot. What's exciting about it is there's a lot of different things you could do with it. Yeah, it is. I think it has a lot of directions it can go. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's go ahead and hop out of Wakanda, hop onto the X-Jet, fly down the Krakoa and see what's going on in this week's comics. Which we will start off with by talking about none other than the one-shot King and Black Marauders tying into the King and Black event. Uh, What happened in this week's issue, Dave? The battle with the King and Black rages on, and Cyclops and Storm have both fallen under the control of the symbiotes, and the Marauders have been dispatched for the rescue mission. The team makes a detour when they get a distress call from a sinking ship being attacked by the symbiote dragons. The team is thwarted and the marauders are ready to, or the the enemies are thwarted and the marauders are ready to leave. 
But Bishop investigates the sinking ship to find its cargo. People. Captain Kate sentences the slavers, having Iceman drop them off through a gate to the middle of an African desert. Adamant that they don't want to go to America, Kate links up psychically with Emma and Magneto and arranges for the people to be dropped off under the new Island M under the temporary care of Callisto. It's revealed that Bishop's orders from Beast were to free Scott and Aurora from the King in Black, dead or alive, and Magneto shares a moment with the de facto leader of the refugees, telling her to spread the story and the word of Krakoa's mercy. Now, I thought Magneto was, like, at the battle. Go ahead. Hold up. I'm just glad none of these ships became Simbi boats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. How long have you been been hanging on to that one? Oh, since you started. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, continue, Quentin. We got an episode title right there, but keep going. Yeah. Uh, So, I, I just got, like... One thing, does Kitty have Emma on retainer? In what regard? Like, there's a part where, like, things are going inconvenient for Kitty on the mission, and all of a sudden she's just like, hey, Emma, I need your powers. Like, yeah, from like Krakoa, always listening without Cerebro. Does, yeah. I mean, I mean, does she use her powers other than just communicative? Well, like, Kate, like, calls Emma and is like, Hey, Emma, I could use a little bit of your superpower. Oh, oh, okay. But, I mean, she never... And, and Emma's, like, sitting in a chair. So, without Cerebro's help, Emma is able to just, like, call out across the ocean. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't seem that weird to me. Like, she's a pretty powerful telepath. Like, I, I don't we see, like, Cyclops and Jean do this pretty regularly? Like... What? What do you mean? I don't think this is that weird. Like calling out psychically like it's basically just a psychic phone call yeah like a psychic can call somebody but like not a kate pride unless she phased through the particles that i don't know i think talk to her i think you can because she picks up thoughts i think it's i don't know it, it wow does. wow so kate pride can't fly but emma can just constantly be on the on the phone with her Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like, what? Cool. <laughs> I'm Keeping sorry. An this, open line is. This is your complaint about this issue. <laughs> oh, that's what. What? Well, that's my first one. Second off, I feel like the detour thing is so weird that they like the world's literally being destroyed, and there's just a lot of casualness going on. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, Bishop, who apparently does have the authority to say no. This is what we're doing right now. This is this is greater concern than one boat. It looks like no, I don't want to do that. Not until we're on land. Like it oh. is what it is. It's, it it's is, a, it, you're right. It it's is a one it shot is. book. We know it can't affect the greater story of the King of Black as a whole. It's just how comic books works when you get these one shot side issues, right? It it yeah, just has to fit into let's whatever. Be honest, this issue was not worth a read. I also don't, did Storm it, kill I mean, Calypso, didn't she? Yeah, but that yeah, was to bring her back. That was, she got crucible. Yeah, it was in the crucible. Yeah. Okay. Look, um, it, and as then of a course, one-shot, of course the refugees know anywhere but America. Don't bring us there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the that? part. No, what? what I, I mean, seriously, what is that? I I don't know. I tried to go back and read it, like thinking, okay, like maybe they just obviously didn't want to go back to the place where all this was, like all this stuff was happening, 
Because I get, I would get that if it was like, like oh, they're fleeing, no. like they're fleeing the United States. Because okay, King and Black stuff happening there, right? But it seems to me that that's not where they got picked up from. No, it it does feel like that story went out of its way to get to political, really express anti-American sentiment. Yes, like whatever you want to throw in your political beliefs in it, that that's fine. It's your medium that you're working with, but really. Well, especially in the especially in the context of people that were effectively being slaved, and if your options were like safety in America, or you know what I mean, like you just got rescued off a boat where you were going to drown. They were slaves, but and I get the cage thing, and they were being left to drown. They were cargo, yes, but they're being taken to Canada. What do you mean they were slaves? I mean, into the Canadian sweatshops. I, I, I mean, I, mean, I think the clear allegory of putting people in, I, I mean, it, there was a clear allegory, right? That you have these people in the, the underneath of a boat in cages. And I think it's very clear that they made the, the primary, uh, you know, kind of representative of them, African-American. Like, I think that was clearly an allegory for. Oh yeah. No, I, slavery I get and human I trafficking. Just, yeah. But like one written by a white man, that also, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just think it was interesting that this book could, I know we're saying like, oh, it's a tie into an event, but it's written by Jerry Duggan. It like is it's written yeah. by the Marauders guy. If it, if it wasn't Duggan, I think this would be much easier to just like dismiss and be like, okay, like that, that's what it was. And move yeah, on, you're just but. having fun. You have your interpretation of this. It's not, but like, this is. I, it's just mind blowing. It was Marauders, yeah. I mean, you can't you when it is the the creator and the author, it is kind of hard to just discount that. Look, here here's the last thing I'll say about it, try and leave on a positive note is we had complained previously that one of the things we hadn't got out of Marauders in a long time was high seas action. That's true. We got high seas boat based combat action scenes. So in that sense, you know, we got a little bit of what we asked for, maybe a little bit of what we didn't, but is what it is. Also, I know we're talking about positive, and I'm being positive, but like, why is Lockheed like good at fighting symbiote dragons? It, it does seem odd that the whole team was having trouble hanging on, and then they're just like, "We need some time, Lockheed. I know you're like a one hundredth of their size, but please just hold all of them at bay while we take care of this situ- politically charged situation." Yeah, like if Lockheed's <laughs> that strong, like whoa, like I didn't know that was a thing. Well, it's a good thing they're taking him to New York. Yeah, let's take them. We got our secret weapon against the King in Black. We haven't seen the end of King in Black. Maybe that's how it gets resolved. <laughs> Lockheed. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and keep uh, cruising right along. Boat is boat. Okay, no. All right. No, uh, next boat. issue we're going to discuss this week is one of the uh, house favorites, X Factor. Kelsey, what happened in X Factor? One. I'm just going to say this right from the start with X-Factor. iBoy gets to shine this this issue. We start off with Prodigy getting a gajillion missed calls from Tommy. Tommy's a speedster, so he does everything fast. After revealing to him that, or after Tommy reveals to Prodigy that he did not die in the event that supposedly he died in, Prodigy gets a letter from the Five, letting him know that this was before X Factor, and they were pretty sure that he had died, so therefore he's been brought back. Hugs and kisses. Uh, further on, we go with Dakin and Aurora, sort of bonding again in their weird 
sexual tension relationship, uh, he explains how his pheromone powers work, which actually was a kind of cool scene on understanding that, you know, he can use his powers, but he doesn't exactly always understand, like, why someone feels a certain way, things like that. Oh, as Dakin goes on to trail uh, his, uh, Siren, he stays in communication with Polaris, who, as we remember, has been hypnotized by Siren to thwart this in any way possible. After some fanboy stuff between Tommy and apparently the fastest man alive now, we go on further where they investigate what Siren has been up to, talking to old allies throughout Krakoa. There is a little break to explain the Morrigan, goddess of death and battle, seems like a bit of foreshadowing, in which we go then to Canada, where Dakin has been beaten and bludgeoned by, we're guessing, Siren. And afterwards, uh, Polaris is then confronted by the rest of her team because Iboy figures out that, oh, She's lying again. You were lying earlier. I can see that you're lying because I'm Eyeboy and I have that power and no one realized it, I guess. So figuring out where Dakin is, they're able to save him and heal him. And then flash forward to later that night in the Boneyard living room where apparently they're dead. Aurora and John Paul are both dead. And Eyeboy, Prodigy, and it appears Dakin are also kind of hiding in a room where now Aurora and Jean-Pierre are dead in a, looks like an Irish Trinity, possibly more Morgan stuff. Yeah. Irish Trinity was a nice touch. Well, that's, that's what it is. It? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm saying, like, yeah. you know. Hey, McTaggart. keeping it cultural, guys. Keeping, keeping cultures alive, okay? Let's, uh, what'd you think of this issue, Dane? I, I actually kind of enjoyed this one a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I've been pretty pro X factor generally. Um, it, I think the book does a lot of good stuff. It creates some cool mysteries. Like now, as we're starting to hone in on this mystery about Morgan, it, the Morgan and Siren, it creates a new one in, is there another prodigy out there right now that didn't die and is, you know, like, are we going to, is this going to be the first time we get to deal with the ramifications of that where they've resurrected a mutant before protocols and now we've got two of them? And, and what does that mean? And it continues to, to be a book that North star really gets to shine in, bringing him to like the forefront. Um, maybe not of, you know, like the big books or anything, but he, I think he's being appropriately used and, and really getting to, to do some fun stuff. And, you know, I love it when any young Avenger ever shows up. Yeah, I was wondering what you thought about that because he's not a mutant, right? Uh, who's that? Speed. Speed. Uh, so it's hard to say. I guess if Speed is a mutant, because if he is, he's a Gen One though, because his parents aren't mutants. Uh, I mean, kind of. Wanda. Well, I don't know. Yeah, because well, Wanda's, Wanda's not, not a mutant. That's mutant. true. I don't know anymore. Uh, Vision's a robot, and the they're not. Vision's a robot, and they're not really born. They were like souls plucked from the ether and then reincarnated no, in the bodies from of children. Mephisto, from Mephisto's realm. It's Mephisto's essence in them. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I mean, they're they're like 
lost souls that got reincarnated and previously their mother was a mutant I, but isn't so i don't know how that genetically works so who who can really say do you think speed was included because of tommy do you think it has to do with the wandavision tv show no or do you think it no. was already planned no i think it was probably already planned ah nice I mean, I, um, I don't know. I just think it's because Prodigy did show up and was a kind of featured teammate in the Kieran Gillen's uh, Young Avengers run. So, yeah. I mean, this isn't totally out of the blue. What, why what are do we you guys think of Bro Dakin? Just... Does that work for you, Kelsey? Do what? You, do you like Bro Dakin? Oh, I love Bro Dakin. Bro Dakin's entertaining. It gives him more interest to me than just being I'm a monstrous killing machine animal Dakin. Yeah, it's weird because I'm kind of enjoying him, and I don't know why. I think I, I think it's well, just I like that he's I like that relatable. he's getting used to having friends. Like he's yeah. not used to it, so it it's kind of odd for him. I think North Star as a character is getting the time to be featured, but I think Dakin is the one that's growing the most. Like I think we've seen Dakin and some other stuff, and he has been like you say, kind of a monster villain sort of thing, and so we're getting to know that character in a new light. And it, it has been a lot of fun because it's not just bro and There's moments of vulnerability in this issue for him, too. Yeah. Are you saying and bros can't be vulnerable? When are we going to talk about... Not traditionally. Eyeboy. All right. Let's, let's hear it. Dude. I mean, most useful guy on the team right now. We're just like, uh, she lied. She lied again. Guys, she's obviously possessed. Something's wrong. But didn't I mean, we establish that like everybody on this team has a way to use their power to lie detect? Uh, we did establish it, but apparently only one of them used it. <laughs> that is a good point. He was the one calling it out pretty regularly. We're like, oh, what's going on, guys? Are we are we just gonna let her slide with this? <laughs> is, is this yeah. okay? Is the Morgan also Morgan LeFay from Otherworld? No. So the Morgan is a real life. Well, I, I say real life. Real life uh, mythology. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, so, so is Morgan Le Fay. Well, that's true, but I don't. I think they're they're separate. I think it's clear that the Morgan is being used here, especially that it's a Irish mythology piece that it's possessing Siren is what it sounds. You know, is what's so the Morgan, on. not Morgan. Right. I, uh, I'll say this. I don't. I would not know anything about. Man, I'm getting to bring up Karen Gillan like twice in like ten minutes. I wouldn't know anything about the Morgan other than the fact having read the wicked and the divine she's one of the the characters in the pantheon and that's, <laughs> that's where all of my knowledge about if you had asked me before reading that i, I would have known nothing out of it would have been a, a wikipedia search yeah definitely an interesting use of the uh character for sure but it seems um, a little like do you guys feel like they dropped that too fast they didn't let that mystery simmer it was just like boom you get a, I, I a data page i don't think that's the main mystery then i think it's going to be like what is happening like how it's being used as I, opposed to i hope know. that's the case because for a detective book we didn't get to see any solve it was just like boom we got a data page the reader knows and then it was like two pages later boom somebody got in her head and was just like it's the morgan like it just didn't feel authentic or fruitful like the journey of discovering that yeah so uh strong issue i feel like the lore and everything is really contributing to making this book work really well um 
Speaking of another book, uh, let's see if Hellions keeps up its uh, high status with us uh, in this week's issue. So in Hellions, number nine, Mastermind starts it off with a tea party and kidnaps Mr. Sinister. Uh, Orphan Maker is also revived and placed in his new suit. And apparently, much like Wild Child and Nanny who died in Otherworld before him, he has gone through changes that have caused some growing pains in his suit. Nanny and Orphan Maker seem to have a spat, and their relationship seems changed and distant and uh, pretty volatile right now. Meanwhile, Empath, Grey Crow, Wild Child, Havoc, and Psylocke have some family bonding time, some rivalry uh, amongst them, and they kind of feel like a family for the first time in the book, I would say. The Hellions laugh at the notion that uh, that Sage brings up that their leader, uh, Mr. Sinister, is missing. And they have a hard time uh, believing somebody would think that they have any loyalty to that guy. Uh, despite not having respect for Sinister, they still go looking for him because Xavier has asked them to. And, and there is respect for that leader. So they meet with Mastermind to figure out more about their missing leader, unaware of Mastermind's evil misdeeds. Uh, they fall into a trap where Mastermind manipulates them and eventually wind up on at the feet of none other than... Uh, Mr. Arcade. Oh. What do you guys think of this issue? Oh, my God. Oh, I loved this issue. <laughs> this issue was great. I mean, one, you don't really know how much happened. Because, like Mastermind says, like, did Sage or Professor X send you? Mm-hmm. You know? Question mark? Like, his question, it's like, how much do you really think it's like you know? Yeah, you know, maybe no one may be aware that you're here. The yeah. arcade being there was great. That, like you said, that interaction with a where Sage is like, well, I was gonna have you guys go do it. You know, I said like you have a strong loyalty or bond to go get your, you know, get one of your own. And then they kind of ask like who it is, like Mister Sinister, and they just start dying laughing. The spat between Pete. And nanny now yeah, is great. I'm Pete now. I'm yeah, Pete that's better. Now. Don't you drink that. No, you're not my mom. You're not my mom. It's and so I good. still, I still really want to know what Orphan Maker's power is. Yeah, he's like a robot guy, and there's apparently an uncontainable power to him. Yeah, like it's so bad. He's got to have that armor. If he doesn't have the armor, apparently it's just. You have a to keep him in liquid and sedated. Yeah, it's like it's a problem for the world. There is so many good things about this book. And I say that both about this issue and as the arc as a whole, like just Hellions. Like, look, it continues to generate humor in creative, fun, and like dark ways, right? Them laughing at Sinister and then the memo about how it's like, okay, they all really love Sinister and everything. Like, comedy. You yeah. get Orphan Maker, like you mentioned already, lashing now. You're not my mom. Like, comedy. This is an incredibly dark book that gives us really big moral quandaries, but also delivers in a couple of funny panels every week. At the same time, it is it does a great job of giving small moments that don't take up too much time. They don't detract from the book or the story, but they're clearly grounding the book and setting up for future stuff, right? Like we see that the wild child is lashing out and 
Gray Crow mentions, you know, he knows what's going on. It's because he he hasn't found a mate, right? He's a he's a beast, and he needs that. We have Havoc, and you know, Empath sort of alluding to this dark side. Like we know that's coming out. It's being, you know, it's being teased here, but it does it in a way that's not obvious. That you're not going to remember in three issues when it does happen. But it just it keeps it pertinent. It keeps it kind of you know just a step under the surface, so it it doesn't feel. Like you got cheated when it comes out later. It feels genuine and authentic and like it was something that was there the whole time. And and now they've introduced Mastermind, who feels like genuinely scary and ominous as a villain. Even wearing his potato sack. I know, yeah. he looks so stupid, but it's so yeah. good. I like that he's having tea with Sinister, too. Like, he knew how to, like, manipulate him and woo him in. It just... I don't know, it... I, I want to be fair arcade. and define something critical, but what is it? Yeah, and then we get arcade at the end. But, like, oh. it's not one of those issues which I feel like some of it's right. Like, some of the other books, like, oh, there's some end plot reveal. It's like, yeah, arcade's, like, unnecessary. You could have not put arcade in this issue, and I would have loved it. Yeah, the book, the book still works. It's not like it was building solely to that point and, like, that last reveal gives you a payoff where you're like, oh, okay, so I guess the rest of it wasn't that bad. It's just, it's all good, and then that's a cherry on top. Well, it sets yeah. up for the next. You go, oh, okay, now I want to know. Right. Where is this going? And the, yeah, the like, art now, is good. Now what's going on? We get a great, I think it's a, a really cool, like that two-page double spread of them falling out of the plane. Great use of the of the two-pager. Like, that's that's an underutilized tool, I think, because... I imagine people want to get more story in and don't want to burn. Like they were able to use two pages of the comic and it wasn't like an extended issue or anything solely for that. And everything else still feels good. Nothing feels slighted or cheated. Like we didn't get time to get to other stuff. In fact, there was all, like I mentioned all the little things that are still there that don't God, God aliens is good. Yeah. It's oh, real, real, swear. real good. So great book. Um, good issue. Uh, everything's rocking with that one. I think it's it's definitely high up in the standings for me. Any last thoughts on Hellions, guys? I can't wait for the next one. When was the last time it wasn't the best book that came out in a week? That's that's fair. I, I can't remember because I've enjoyed it. I, I said beginning. issue one. They, yeah, they didn't I've enjoyed it since the very beginning. I'm not going to go that far back, but I, I mean, I legitimately do not remember... The last, and I don't know what came out with them that week, but I don't remember the last time that I didn't think Hellions was the best book. Which, like, how is that possible? How is a book with this cast so good? Greyco, Greyco is like one of my favorite mutants now. <laughs> like, like, he's like one of the more relatable ones. I'm like, this is my perspective character. He's my lens into. <laughs> yeah. Think if somebody told you that six months a year ago, right? That you're like, no, no, no. You're really going to be siding with John Greycrow. <laughs> I would have been like, what's a John Greycrow? <laughs> right. Well, but they had to change are. his name. But but here we are. Yep. And I just remember their ads where they like slowly revealed the lineup, like one person at a time or whatever. Right. And it was like, why would I care about this team? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I remember Fallen Angels. It was terrible (laughs) don't you do this to me again don't you put that evil on they did yeah if it takes if it takes four issues or five issues of fallen angels to get one of these they can do that to any book they want i had to look up at least three of the characters on that team 
Yep. Because Wait, I have on, no knowledge of them. On on Hellions or on Fallen Angels? On on Hellions. Because <laughs> I was like, Kelsey, there there's only three Hellions. people on yeah. Fallen Angels. No. In fact, I'm like, I don't know what Nanny, Orphan Maker, or Empath are. <laughs> like, I guess I need to find out what this is. <laughs> and now you know, it's just the best there it's is. It's funny some of the lessons that like Marvel will take from things too, because you watch fallen angels and they like, like it, it's terrible, but like you've got cable, you've got X 23 and you've got, uh, I want to say Psylocke, whatever Psylocke, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, it's just funny that like those three characters, like that, that book got canceled immediately, but then like cable gets his own book. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting that you can take all these garbage characters here and have a good book with it. But you have those three bangers and it doesn't work. <laughs> right. I mean, I think ultimately, if anything, it's taught us is it's not the characters. It's the writing. Right. Like a good, a, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is it? I, I think a good book is a good book. And Hellions is proving that. That I think, you know, if you like the characters, it can... It can, you know, in your brain convince you or make you more interested in a mediocre book and make a mediocre book push it to good. But I don't think it can push a terrible book out, you know, out of terrible and into good. But if, if there's good writing, good art, just a good book, that can, I mean, it can carry everything. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of carried, who's going to get carried through the danger room this week? Who's going to be the... Ask the critical questions to get you guys through the 20 question contest we have each and every week on the Examination Podcast. Our contestants have 20 yes or no questions to figure out the person, place, thing, or idea for the Marvel Universe. Uh, sharpen your skills. Show us what you got in the danger room. Let the questioning begin. Is it a place? No. Is it a character? Yes. Is it a man? Yes. Do they use claws? No. Okay. That's a lot of characters, actually. Um... <laughs> That's a good, yeah, that's a good character um, question. Are they closely associated with anyone from this week's comics? Uh, no. Okay. So here's what I'll say, because he does these, and when I edit them, I look back and I hear that he gave us hints without realizing that he gave us hints. He just said, sharpen your skills. And I, I don't know, that was where the claw question came from. That just seems like a a little subtle jab that'll come back later if we don't get it. So just, no, we'll just get for it. one. He, you he's, no, he's not that clever. Uh, is this that. character an X-Men? No. Is this character a villain? Yes. Is this villain closely associated with the X-Men? No. Okay. Is this character closely associated with an X-Man? No. Is this villain human? Yes, that's ten questions. So the human villain is this villain closely located or, or uh, um 
closely associated with a specific city. Hmm. Like, how specific are you asking? Like, is their main base of operations and villainy mainly in one city? Yeah, New but York. I'm not trying to imply it's like the Captain Britain of like, it's not like that. <laughs> no, but like, are they, you know, it's like they're mainly in New York, they're mainly in L.A. That's where they, you know. Yeah, they, they, have, uh, they have a city that they're definitely associated with. Okay. Where are you going there, Kelsey? Anything? Like Kingpin style. I don't know why. I also thought Kingpin when you asked that. Yeah. That's strange. I don't know why, but the fact that we were both on it, I will ask, is this a villain associated with Daredevil? No. Okay. That was probably a wasted question, but the fact that we both went the same direction made me wonder. Yeah. Hmm. All right, what's the plan here? Do we find out who they are a villain of? They're a hu- yeah, uh, that would be good. Um, does this villain, this human villain, have any type of power, like ability? Yeah. Well, let me follow that up with, <laughs> like, as a few, like, are you saying, like, are they a mutant? Are they an alien? Are they, like, no, what are you, what? I gotten past, you, no, you said they're human, so I'm assuming they're not a mutant or alien. Um, okay, okay, well. No, I'm saying, okay. do they, do they have a power with their humanity? Like, okay, um, Iron Fist is a, a human, but he has powers. Does Iron Man have powers? No. Then no, this person doesn't have powers. Okay. So, theoretically, it sounds like Kelsey Brown is gear-related. Yeah, gear stuff. Okay. Okay. So, a human villain with no powers, but potentially... Kang doesn't have powers. I guess it's true. Is uh, this a villain closely associated with the Avengers? Dude, I gotta say, like... Are you saying, like, the movie Avengers, or... Too broad? Yeah. Okay, I'll back off then. Pretty pretty sure half of Krakoa is an Avenger. <laughs> He's got a point. No, no, that's fair. I, I, I realized when I asked that question. Um... Has this character ever appeared in the MCU? Wait, hold on, let me rephrase that. Has this character ever appeared, or are they slated to appear in the MCU? Yes. So, Kelsey, do you want to narrow that down and ask if they ever have? Has this character appeared in the MCU? Yes. Uh, dude, it, dude, it's got to be Hammer. You think so? Yeah, he's got a for him. <laughs> you guys are really making editing overtime here. Oh, I'm sorry, a phoner, a fan now I have to do it twice. <laughs> twice is just as nice. All right. So we have uh, what five more. We can run this down. All right. It, is this character a Iron Man villain in the MCU? No. All right. Oh, well, fine. Is this character a Black Panther villain in the MCU? No. All right, we got to slow down here. We're, we're burning through. What Three questions, including your guess. What villains do we have left in the MCU that are humans? All right, so potential 
MCU villains. Let's see. Red Skull is a human, right? Baron Zemo. Yeah, I thought about Zemo. Not Thanos. Uh, oh, you said not a Black Panther villain, so I'm going to cross off Claw. Yeah. Hmm. All right, we got to be we got to be careful here. So it's not an Iron Man. So we can get rid of Whiplash. Yep. Old old Mickey Rourke's off the list. Obadiah Stane or Strain. Believe it or not, I discussed Mickey Rourke as Whiplash with a coworker today. Don't in a legal <laughs> argument? No, just in, in. Oh, okay. As Whiplash talking about that movie because he said that he liked Iron Man too, and I was like, "Are you sure you want to commit to that?" <laughs> um. So basically, nothing in Thor, right? Nothing in Doctor Strange. I guess Ant Man, uh, Yellow Jacket. Yeah, nothing Guardians of the Galaxy because that's all going to be space, right? Right. If we think they're technically gear based, we think they're gear based. We don't know they're gear based. All right, all right we got two more questions and then a guess. Oh, it's three more questions than a guess. No, we have three total. Oh. Not from Captain Marvel, because those are all aliens, right? Right. Can I ask a non-committal question, Quentin? What? I don't know what that means. Yeah. All I, right, I will ask this, and you can tell me what you think. Do you consider Spider-Man to be MCU? Yes. Okay. Oh, it puts Mysterio in the run-in, doesn't it? And Vulture. Yeah. It would, yeah. And that is kind of that's potentially important, but I didn't want to burn a question on that. Um, hmm. it's a lot of humans, and a lot of them are gear based. But we've removed Iron Man villains. That's important, as far as gear based goes. Yeah, but Vulture is gear based, as is Mysterio. That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's see. It's nothing from Black Panther. It's not Loki. It's not Thanos. I think we have to figure out whose villain it is. Um, All right. Two questions. Question. Is this character a villain associated with or in a Captain America movie? No. So that's going to remove Red Skull and Baron Skull. Zemo. Zemo, yeah. So we're we're thinking between Vulture and. Yellow Jacket and uh, Mysterio. I mean, I, is that is that what we're thinking? I guess. Okay. Um, right. I mean, it kind of has That's to be. That's all I can think of. Um, does this character have flight? No. It's Mysterio. Okay, so let's think here. Non Vulture, because we're going flight there, right? Yep. Yellow Jacket flies. Yellow jacket flies. I'm going Mysterio because that's all I got. I can't think of any other human in these movies that's bad. All right, you locking it in? Sure, unless you count J. Jonah Jameson as a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lock it in. We'll go with Mysterio. Unfortunately, that is not our person. Uh, no, you guys were really people. close. You narrowed it down to the right hero. Uh, unfortunately, it was Shocker. Shocker, Shocker oh, was the oh, villain. Fun. Yeah, so Shocker reason has... being, Shocker is closely associated, oddly enough, with Arcade, uh, who was in this week's wait, issues. Wait, didn't uh, because... I ask if they were closely associated with someone in our, our issues, or did I ask if they were in our issues? 
Uh, he was closely associated with someone in our issues. I, would you consider Shocker closely associated? It wouldn't have helped me. It, it wouldn't have helped me, but if, I mean, if, I, if you had said I'm yes. Saying, it hey, would have the reason why he's affiliated with it is hey. in Spider-Man, X-Men, Arcade's Revenge, as well as Marvel <laughs> Ultimate Alliance, the arcade level. Shocker is a mini boss on Spider-Man, X-Men, Arcade, Revenge. Way to bring up the S and yeah. and and Ultimate Alliance. Shocker is one of Arcade's he is. Uh, minions. He is. I feel terrible. I could I could have Google boxed it. I feel terrible saying this, but I feel I feel confident my grandmother is not listening. That owning an SNES and Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge was a strong motivating factor for my desire to visit my grandmother in my early years. Dude, like I said, I know she didn't hear this. I know she's not listening to it. I love you, Grandma, if you are. Wasn't there a stage where you had to run from the juggernaut? Uh, no, Gambit's stage was you had to run away from a big metal spike ball, yeah. but you could turn around and throw cards at it to slow it down. Cool. Um, Wolverine fought the Juggernaut, though. Okay. Right. Correct, yes. Wolverine Wolverine had, like, arcades, like, uh, fun house level. We had to, like, claw through walls. Yeah. he uh, Wolverine's mini-bosses were Apocalypse and Juggernaut. <laughs> 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 well, but Gambit had that spinning ball. <laughs> that that counts. That counts. You are right. <laughs> like it's just like uh like I'm pretty sure Storm's bad guy is that she's in a tank because of her claustrophobia. So it's an underwater level. Yeah, Storm's bad guy is underwater. And everyone <laughs> traditionally hates the underwater levels. And that was oh, yeah. no exception. Yep, yep. All right, boys. Well, that's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're excited for next week. We'll see what's coming new uh, in the world of Krakoa. Until next time. Hopefully we get Hellions again. Oh, another yeah. Hellions? It's not going to happen. Oh, we can, we can dream. <laughs> we can dream. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.